This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. Welcome to the first ever episode 37 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented folks in the Southern Cal almost messed that one up. Southern California hospitality industry and beyond each and every episode. That's right, from Orange County to LA to San Diego or anywhere else where people want to chat. Obviously, we've had episodes with folks from all over. I am your host, Croft McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to Allie Coyle for providing music for the show. You can find her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. She just released a new track. Go check it out. And as a reminder, if you enjoy the show, leave a rating, review wherever you're listening to it. It helps other folks find the show. And for more content, check out Patreon.com forward slash The Best Seats or TheBestSeats.com. Find me on Instagram, The Best Seats. You get the gist of it. Uh, Real quick housekeeping before we dive into this episode. There are going to be some changes in dates as far as kind of publishing goes for the show. Uh, 2020, it was kind of a crapshoot. Basically, just trying to lock down guests. Um, Obviously, kind of in and out of different shutdowns. You know, like the first 20 some odd episodes were recorded all remotely. Um, So episodes kind of published within a couple days of me kind of recording them and getting them up due to time constraints and things like that. Moving forward for 2021, it's going to get a lot more consistent. Episodes are going to release exclusively to uh, Patreon subscribers on Fridays. That's going to be ad-free early access for that. And then they will hit free feeds the following Wednesday. So that means that if there's a topic that is extremely interesting to you, or maybe there's a time-sensitive topic or something like that, or you just don't want to listen to the ads and there are going to be advertisers coming on board um, in the very near future, finalizing some conversations with people. Now remember that you can get early ad free access over on Patreon. Um, If you just want to listen on free feeds, completely fine too. I appreciate the support no matter what, but just wanted to put that on everybody's radar. Now for this episode, we got a very good friend, Ava Navarrete. She is a fantastic bartender up in the Northern kind of orange County, Southern LA County, um, whatever you kind of want to call that, the landscape that is kind of the Long Beach, Huntington area, Huntington, obviously orange, but that kind of Long Beach area as well, that North OC place where she calls home. Uh, she's just a total badass. Um, she's an absolutely really awesome bartender. She's really just beautiful human being through and through great soul, great personality. Um, awesome person to have in your life. I'm extremely grateful to call her a friend. I was extremely happy to get her on the show. Uh, There's been a lot of culinary professionals on in recent episodes, which is not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination, but I wanted to mix it up and get some more bar people, talk about some more cocktail culture a little bit um, and try to spread the love to kind of highlight, you know, what her battle's been like, Um, you know, dealing with kind of mental health struggles, losses and things like that during all of this. What does the industry look like from the bar standpoint of things? And what does she hope that kind of changes? So it was a really great sit down. I'm extremely grateful to her for the time um, opening her home to me, her dog being really, really cool with me, um, which is always a positive when you go to record these things. If you get to pet a dog these days, that's a great feeling. But I will let you listen to the episode and what she has to say for herself. Please enjoy episode 37 of the best. So- oh my gosh, I'm doing it again today. Ready? We'll rewind. 
Please enjoy episode 37 of the Best Seats Podcast with my friend, bartender Ava Navarrete. Nailed it that time. Enjoy. Ava, thank you so much for inviting me into your place today to record this. I am so excited to sit down and chat. For people that may not be familiar with you or your work, would you mind introducing yourself quick and giving a little bit of your background? Sure. Um, thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast, first of all. Um, my name is Ava Navarrete, and I also am known as Miss Savage. Um, and I work in Huntington Beach right now, um, Orange County, California. Um, I was working two bars before all this craziness happened. So, um, but I won't connect all of that yet because I don't really know where this is all going <laughs> anymore, <laughs> but Red Table is where you can find me now. So, um, so let's jump right kind of into it. Obviously we're recording this second week of January, depending on when this episode goes live and when you are listening to it. Um, obviously we are unfortunately still in the throes of a pandemic. It seems since the very first episode of this podcast, I've been having to say that hopefully within about a month or two months time, we will not be having to say that. Mm-hmm. What have you been up to the past couple months? And it, it's not just, I've had a lot of chefs on the show. I've had some bartenders on the show, but mm-hmm. bartenders that have been attached to restaurants and things like that. I feel that this is always kind of, it's hit chefs and restaurateurs in one very serious way. Mm-hmm. Bartenders, I think, have been hit a little bit different. And obviously, Save Restaurants is trending, but Save Bars has kind of been left behind a little bit. As a bartender, what's it been like for you since March 17th and these kind of past couple months especially? Um. I, when I answer this question, a lot of times I compare myself to other bartenders because I have so many bartending friends. Um, and I think I dilute what I, my experience um, to kind of make it even. But I'm going to tell you honestly that this year has been incredibly difficult for me because I'm your, I'm your like social butterfly, extroverted, uh, constantly working on my, my, um, skills, bartending skills, going out, um, meeting people. And that all got taken away from me. And I fortunately worked at a restaurant, um, where the owners, they don't necessarily need the money, but they can stay open for example, for the back of the house to, um, keep their jobs and to help out the employees who, um, may have, who may have not have had the access to like, um, the money, uh, what, what, I'm sorry, what is it called? It's leaving my mind. Anyways, um, so what I did was I panicked in the beginning, thinking that <laughs> I would. I just became this great bartender. How am I not going to be able to maintain this? You know, I'm irrelevant. We're all irrelevant. Um, and so I was like, how can I make myself relevant right now? And basically, and also maintain my skills because I was, it's kind of like when you finally get good at something, an instrument, um, a job, whatever. And you're putting these skills to practice eight, you know, multiple times a week. And then all of a sudden you can't. So you're worried about the muscle memory and, or like the tasting memory. And, um, so what I did was I made myself valuable by creating a to-go cocktail program at my restaurant. And it wasn't very complex because of, um, the place like, the demographic of our community. Um, we are in Huntington Harbor. It's a lot of vodka sodas and craft beers. And But 
I have been working in the harbor for um, probably close to eight years now, and I've gotten to know the people really well, and they want to learn new things, and they want to taste new things, but you also have to kind of do it in their way, you know, make it, make it fun for them. You know, don't be pretentious and don't be like, well, what, how you're, how you're drinking is wrong. You know, just kind of introduce something new to you. And, um, I think that's another reason why I have so many friends of regulars that have followed me all over Orange County and, um, that have all different drinking styles, but, um, they were very supportive. Um, I've had, I've wasn't sure if I would be able to make new relationships over quarantine that's very important to me. Um, that's something that I think has scared some of my coworkers and my boyfriends because I just make relationships with people. I'm not afraid to talk to people. I'm not afraid to ask them questions and I'm not afraid to learn something new. And when you do that with somebody, they, they sometimes they're scared or confused, but they're intrigued enough to like want to go back and forth. And eventually you build a friendship and you know, some people, a lot of people aren't like that. A lot of people have their close knit friends and, and they've been there for a long time. But me, I'm always trying to, to, to see what else I can absorb from whoever it is that I meet, including yourself. I'm (laughs) I'm very, um, I'm loving all of your equipment right now. Thank you. There's a lot of flashing lights and things like that for people that have never seen it. Obviously, well, it's a podcast, so you've never seen it. It's not video. Um, I want to I want to touch on something that you talked about. I want to talk about Huntington Beach itself and, mm-hmm. and kind of the animal that Huntington Beach is. Um, have have had a lot of guests on the show that are you know, friends of the show. Mm-hmm. Ben Carpenter from Surf City Still Works, Andrew Gruel from Slapfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about that in a second. But I want to talk about something you touched on first. Food and Wine basically came out with an article recently saying that the customer is not always right, mm-hmm. and that hospitality professionals deserve more respect and more leniency and understanding from guests, something that I think we can all agree on, um, especially anybody listening to the show can agree on. Mm-hmm. You talked about the skills as a bartender, and it's kind of that old quip. You, you, know, you see it in movies sometimes, things like that. Oh, well, how hard can it be to be a bartender? Talk about some of the skills that do go into that because there is a lot of muscle memory. There is, you know, I'm sure you've had those nights where you wake up and you're still holding a, you know, <laughs> a, sh- a shaking tin in your hand. Absolutely. What was it like and what kind of were those fears like when you go from, you know, three deep at a bar and you're running really, really quick, you know, Saturday night service to sitting at home rewatching Tiger King for the third time? Oh my goodness. Fourth time. <laughs> um, well, first with building skills, it's always intimidating because, uh, especially about 10 years ago, um, it's hard because like I was mentioning earlier, sometimes people act like they're too busy or they get frustrated or, um, they just don't want to share their information with you. So picking up on information is a struggle in the beginning. Anyways, like any job, they're always like, you need experience, but it's impossible to get experience. Then you jump into it. And I think the first thing you learn, um, is just, uh, putting things in the tin or in the glass and getting comfortable with that. Um, and you can get pretty comfortable with that pretty quickly. And then the next thing I think that is really important is, um, learning how to talk to people and how to understand people. Um, and from there, uh, learning how to talk to your coworkers and how to talk to the back of the house. Um, and, that I think is the the trickiest part 
because after that you can learn like flavors and get more into like if you want like craft or into like the business side the relationship part honestly is the hardest part and right now we can't even see each other's faces you know so like your your coworkers, you can't it's hard to see their expressions the guests hard to see their expressions you know I honestly believe that like our tips are being even just influenced because people can't see us smiling you know and and we were creatures that that like work off of expressions too so that's something that's pretty vital. Um, what does it feel like to get back behind the bar a little bit, having lost some of that speed and things like that? Is it, is it tough for, you mentioned muscle memory, basically. What's yes. it like to get back to the physical aspect of it? Um, it feels good. It feels like when you haven't, you know, ridden a bike or gone swimming for a long time and, and you feel like, you feel a little nervous because you don't want to, you know, make a mistake and you make your first mistake and then you kind of get over it and you keep, you keep going really fast. Um, and, and it's kind of cool because I think, too, with little breaks, you find, like, something new with your hands that you didn't find before. You know, you realize that you can move it a little bit quicker. Um, but it's, I, I would say for muscle memory, like, my coworkers are, like, sometimes they ask me to, like, help them with, like, certain techniques, like, with their hands, with the jiggers, with the shakers and stuff. Weird as it sounds, it's, like, sometimes you just got to go home and, like, sh- I, I've put rice in a shaker and, like, shake it in front of the mirror <laughs> just to see what it looks like, you know? Because I definitely was told that my shake looked very inappropriate for many years <laughs> and I was I never re- believed anybody and then one day I like kind of saw it and I was like oh yeah I need to think I need to change yeah, we should that, tweak that. <laughs> and uh now I was I'm told that I have a pretty pretty cool looking shake so it's you gotta you gotta work on it just like anything um well another thing I was going to touch on is is it's weird because um bartenders, uh, a lot of, all of us in the hospitality industry have some sort of ego because what we're doing is we are on stage. We just happen to be entertaining in a different way. And so whether your stage is somebody's table, the bar top, or, um, like a grill, um, it's, that's our, that's our space to shine. So you kind of, kind of, kind of learn like you may not be the fastest bartender but you're the funniest or and hopefully you do try to add to the team of course not just being the funny guy but also being um sharp in some other way but uh it's hard now because we would have it's it's so much faster to go I mean it's so much easier to go faster when you're like you know, you got ticket, 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 and you got people asking for stuff and you can kind of keep a list, but as you slow down, that's when you get lost. That's when mistakes get made. And that's when you get foggy headed because you're not hundred percent focused on what's going on. So I think that it's been hard for people lately because they don't have their stage as well. Um, which is kind of good for like, uh, people I've been noticing growing on social media. It's a good opportunity right now. Um, to learn to build relationships in different ways, not just using a bar top, but, um, and I've also tried to teach people that myself. Um, people are like, oh, my regulars, my regulars. And I'm like, okay, but have you ever gone to coffee with them? And they're like, no, that's weird. I'm like, <laughs> why is that weird? Like, do you have a genuine relationship with these people? Okay, you know about their kids a little bit, but like, have you actually had a conversation with them about maybe their childhood? You know, so uh, that goes deep. 
<laughs> goes oh, over, it can go yeah, real You're deep. talking about transactional relationships versus transformative. Yes. It's the thing when when does it go beyond just, I, love that. I know that you're going to get, you know, $80 in a tip out of this person versus yeah. an actual connection. Yeah. I And and I don't want to put anybody on blast, but I've seen bartenders who are like, this is my regular, da, da, da. Then, the, you know, they leave them a hundred bucks and then they don't care about that person as soon as they leave. And not to say that they don't care about them, but it's like, like say happy birthday to them, you know, remember when their birthday is or, you know, something sad happened in their life. Like, don't forget to bring that up later in life. Transformative. That I, I really like that. <laughs> you're, you're welcome to it. Those are not my original words. That, that goes to a far, far smarter man than me where I learned that one. Um, I want to touch on Huntington Beach. Um, mm-hmm. Huntington Beach, I've got a lot of friends of the show up in Huntington. Huntington has not been shy about making its name known and mm-hmm. whether it deserve it or not, putting itself in the news during this entire pandemic. I For somebody in Huntington Beach dealing with you know, a pandemic, regardless of you know if you're listening kind of your views on it, there's a lot of realities that you can't ignore. Restaurants, I think, get an unfair short end of the stick being mm-hmm. blamed for cases and things like that. Uh, Huntington has obviously kind of made its name known mm-hmm. staying just open mm-hmm. in some cases um, from a hospitality professional. And this is not to put anybody on blast. I'm just curious your thoughts, and I'm sure people listening are too. Where do you kind of lie in that argument, in that battle? Um, and not to, and, and, and I want to make it clear, I'm not throwing Huntington on, under the bus here, no, but as somebody who works in Huntington, mm-hmm. what are your kind of views and what's your experience been like with kind of some of those crowds and seeing some of the things that have gone on up here? Um, my restaurant happens to be owned by two um, older women who don't need to be open. So we've had takeout. We've opened when we were available to open, like mm-hmm. when it was uh, not against the rules. So that was, it's been nice for us, but the guests have been an incredible challenge. Like the opinions are just thrown at us. Like we have something to do with it, you know? And the funny thing is, it's like most of the employees don't need to be there. Yeah. So, um, the ones that are there are doing it because maybe they have somebody that they're taking care of, whether it's a kid or a family member, or they have to get bills paid. And then just uh, multiply that, you know, by hundreds and thousands. And, and that's how I look at everybody. I look, I realize that these restaurants that are still open are open because they need something. You know, it's not just because they're trying to be assholes, you know, and make anybody sick. And by the way, we know that most of the time restaurants are probably the cleanest places to mm-hmm. be because they're constantly wiping things down. And I've gone places where I'm I'm like, I don't know why I'm in this building right now. This is not OK. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, me and my roommate have got have purposely not gone into places where we're like, nobody's wearing a mask in there. That's not it's just unacceptable, you know, Um but uh, Huntington Beach has been, I, I feel like they just, they, most of the places need to be open. They need to make their money. They need to support their employees. Um, there's a lot of new restaurants that have just been open in the last couple of years. So they're, if they close, they're closed for good. Yeah. And um, that's really devastating because that doesn't just mean employees. That means families. And so... I try to look at it as a point of like, hopefully they're doing it because they need to do it. And I understand and I will support them, whether it's by takeout or, you know, having um, or or buying somebody like a gift card or something like that um, to support like my friends and my local businesses. But um, it's been it's been interesting. The guest aspect of it, they're just throwing tantrums, you know, 
and like, I don't want to wear a mask. I'm like, well then like, but you want us to be open, you know, there's, you, you have to, you have to have some sort of respect, you yeah. know, it just can't, it, the restaurants aren't doing it. For, most of them aren't doing it because for them, for their egos, they're doing it for the families again, you know, for the families and for the people who need the, the money and the business. Does Huntington get a bad rap based on the visibility of a few apples? Yes. Yeah. Complainers are louder. Yeah. Complainers are louder than the somebody who's trying to get something done. You don't hear from them. The people who are trying to get something done, who are trying to pay their bills, who are taking care of their business, they're too busy to be that loud. And the complainers are just out there waving their signs around, you know. Just yeah. I don't want this to be too heavy of an episode. So I want to, I, I, I'm not going to use the word pivot. God damn it. I refuse to. <laughs> so we're going to shift, um, shift. to uh, get, getting back to bartending a little bit. Obviously one of the biggest conversations, and I've talked about this with a couple other guests um, that was happening prior to everything shutting down was the improvement of mental health and mm -hmm. kind of overall work-life balance for hospitality professionals, obviously in the bar industry, especially, you know, you're behind the stick until, 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. and then it's breaking down the bar. It's cleaning the bar. You know, I'm sure you've had mornings where oh, that's yeah. the end of your night where you're mm -hmm. suddenly getting home at 4:30 or something mm -hmm. like that. Being off during this time, what's it been like to reflect back on going back to some of those prior practices of again having to close a bar at 2 a.m. Is there still value in it just based on the love for it? And then how have you kind of been taking care of your own mental health during all of this? Um when I was before the pandemic, I was working um two bars and between the two bars I was working eight about eight shifts a week so five one and then like three two or three at the other one mm -hmm. and um I got really good at it and it may not have been the healthiest thing for me because I definitely was drinking um up, and then uh being up late and how you're saying like I didn't have time to really work out read write do the things that I know for me personally work because everybody has something for them that works that makes them feel healthy and for me because I, of the pandemic and because of I told you I panicked when I was like oh my god my like what am I supposed to do like the things that everything that I loved and everything that was my normal was taken away from me yeah god bless the introverts I'm sure they enjoy <laughs> yeah, I'm sure <laughs> they probably had a hell it. of a time yeah they were like cool high fives all around right? to just me <laughs> yeah exactly I'm sure at one point they were like oh this I want to just see somebody you know but yeah. But for, for anybody like me, like it's, it's scary. You know, you, you, ugh, it was, it was horrible. But at one point uh, I did decide to start very vocally taking care of my mental health. What like, I was mentioning um, to somebody else was that what I, I had everything I, I needed except for time. I didn't have time and I didn't have silence and I needed both of those to learn a little bit more about myself so I could take care of myself better so I can take care of the other things better. And I see that this year as that blessing on my life. It didn't feel like a blessing at first, but now I am more connected with myself. Uh, I actually started going to therapy um, in August and um, with the exception of this week, I've gone every week since I found the woman that I'm supposed to be talking to, because that's another thing is there's so many different ways. Finding the right person and outlet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that could be a big challenge for people who are looking for that kind of avenue. It's discouraging. You know, I didn't have insurance. I didn't have the right insurance as well. So it was so discouraging in the beginning. And 
when you're in that mindset, it's like, uh, I'm just going to give up on this and try again later. And I didn't. <laughs> Is there any fear or anxiety that when things go back to normal or normal-ish or normal, whatever the hell you want to call it, um, and you're back to, you know, multiple shifts and, you know, working, you know, Saturday night, stuff like that, mm-hmm. that you're going to lose some of these things? Or are you working now on finding avenues to make sure that they become staples in your life? I am actively working on making sure that I have a routine down. Um, that's one reason why I'm in therapy is because I'm trying to change and understand some core things about myself. Cause if you don't take the time to understand why you behave a certain way, then that behavior is never going to go away. And it could be uh, any kind of behavior. Um, but mine didn't like my my therapist is like, are you, do you think you're an alcoholic? I'm like, no, I just think that I use it to, you know, numb myself um, or, you know, smoking weed or whatever, whatever the case is. Um, and how I prove that is by changing my behaviors with and my relationship with alcohol, um, understanding why I behave that way, where it came from. And it just, you know, it goes pretty deep obviously but it's such a necessary evil of the industry yeah hey we had a good night drink yeah we got our ass kicked yeah drink hey we're you know closing down early drink it's just this weird relationship with hospitality that has just been and again chefs have talked about this you know restaurateurs have talked about this really famous chefs and people like that have talked about this bartenders Mm -hmm. especially commonality Mm -hmm. among a lot of people i think you know regardless of where you work or what you do within a restaurant or a bar Mm -hmm. everybody can probably relate to that notion yeah now that we are in and again depending on when you're listening to this maybe you're out of it so congratulations but i know (laughs) a lot of people are currently in dry january Mm -hmm. let's talk about non-alcoholic drinks mocktails i know there's kind of a sub debate going on in the world right now about what to actually call these things juice yeah, juice. Teased, like I've heard <laughs> multiple juice. names on them. Where do you uh, lie on those? And for people who may be listening while it's still January, mm-hmm. or maybe they just want to continue it and kind of take some time off and better their relationship with alcohol, what are some tips from your mind, you know, the, the Miss Savage mind mm-hmm. of non-alcoholic drinks, being able to make something that's more than just a Sprite or something like that at home? Sure. Um, when I was younger, I definitely didn't understand it. I was like, what, why were you even drinking it? If it can't affect you, (laughs) you know, it didn't, but now this doesn't have that fun side effect, right? Like even coffee, I'm like, even coffee gives you a buzz. Um, but, um, now I love mocktails. Like I think they're super fun. I think it's, I love challenges in general. So like, and, uh, I have a lot of friends that are sober and, or just that don't feel like drinking. And, I will, um, I will challenge myself to make them, uh, drinks with that are still herbaceous and complex or not if they don't feel like it, you know, but, um, I think, I think the, the, for me, the fun ways are using, um, fruits and things that are in season. It keeps it interesting. Um, because I think we can easily fall into like, like flavored soda, you know, ginger beer and something, you know, um, kind of, so that, that would be my, my maneuver. Um, also using uh, nice ice. So I actually had a friend who, who's sober, um, for religious reasons and she came over and she loved the mocktail that I made her so much more than some of the cocktails that I've made for some of my friends. <laughs> like literally she ate the ice. She was so into it. 
And it made me really happy. Um, it had a uh, homemade mango syrup. Uh, it was basically a mojito, um, demerara sugar, and uh, I just fresh mint over some professionally made pebble ice. She was totally into it. I I don't think it can be understated what good ice does to a cocktail. It's crazy. And people look around, they're like, oh, ice is ice, man. You're like, get out. Yeah. But no, it's, it's so like, it's such a change. Mm-hmm. And there's, and there's a lot of things out there that again, I did a new year's party with uh, friends of mine that are kind of, have been kind of like my quarantine people. Mm-hmm. And we did tiki drinks. These were alcoholic tiki drinks, but I got stuff to make clear pebble ice. Ooh. And it's such a game changer when mm-hmm. you look at it like that. So if you're listening, Go to World Market or CocktailKingdom.com or anything like that. Neither of them sponsor the show. So if they want to and they're listening, please mm-hmm. do. And get something to make good ice. Because it really cannot be understated how much of a change that does. It's true. It, I actually have um, big rocks and pebble ice in my freezer right now. because All the time. Just, all yeah. the time. Um, but it means a lot, you know. And, and it means a lot to people when you present it to them too. That's another thing. It's like this is, uh, in the beginning of quarantine, I started to make these cool recipes that I was like, I would be interested in drinking this. Then I'd make it and I'd sit there by myself or my roommate and I'd just be like, oh wait, I don't do this for me. I do this for other people. (laughs) I was like, oh shoot, you know? So that was another thing. So then I also incorporated that in the to-go cocktail program where I was like, how do I I make a simple yet funky drink that somebody can take home and enjoy at home? So that I was just trying to find opportunities to keep myself sharp this year and um, and then go deeper in the second half of the year. So what are some of the things that when we again, when we finally come out of this, that you're looking forward to getting back to? Is it continuing to push and kind of research new flavors? Is it continuing to educate your guests on new spirits or maybe things that they haven't tried before? What are some of the things that you are looking forward to getting back to? Well, um, the simple joys are, again, making like a syrup or something, making something like that. And then um, being able to introduce it to my friends and like, you know, putting it on Instagram or Facebook and being like, hey, I have a new blueberry sage syrup. Come check it out. And like people will come for like two or three weeks, you know, all different times. Just be like, OK, what did you use it with? You know, and then um, that. Just like those little simple things and sharing something like that is fun for me. And the dynamic of hospitality and making sure they have a great experience. And, oh, hold on, my other regulars just came in. And, oh, let me go take care of this new guest and this grumpy guest and, you know, all that. But honestly, um, this is something that I've been working on. And maybe it's something that you could help me with in the future. I have a restaurant concept idea that I really want to execute. And I think the first thing that I need to do, and I've, I got the ball rolling a year ago, but then all the stuff happened and I was just focused on bartending, um, which I, you know who Sam Malone is? Yeah. I want to be Sam Malone. <laughs> That's all I, I want to get a restaurant going. I want to get a, a cool program, a, a cool environment and then let everybody else run it, and I just want to be behind the bar. (laughs) In your own words, because the passion is so infectious, for people who are listening who do not know Sam Malone, (laughs) give a quick background here. Um, Sam Malone is an ex-baseball player who bought a bar, and um, he's the main character of Cheers. And you should all know that. (laughs) You should all know that. I've rewatched Cheers a million times. It's my favorite thing. He's amazing, and I I think I would die happy if I was... (laughs) 
just honestly just <laughs> Sam Malone. Yeah, just Sam Malone, you know. Everybody well, it, it, there's a reason that I named the current top tier on patreon.com slash the best seats the norm status because Aww. everybody needs a norm in their life. Yes. So yes. Aw. And I, I think at the that. time of this recording, Cheers is still on Netflix, so go watch it because there's nothing else to do. No, it's yeah. awesome. Everybody needs a Cheers. It's every, fantastic. Owning one would it does sound amazing. It's honestly one of those shows that like it I I can't you know how some shows have like seasons where it's like really dull mm-hmm. or like complex? Like the I feel like Cheers keeps its joy throughout the whole thing the whole like yeah. eight, eight or nine or ten seasons yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome. everybody wants to talk about marvel mm-hmm. being this big expanded universe no no cheers started it that's yeah. how we got frazier <laughs> that's how we got like wings we got all these it's other shows because of cheers it's absolutely true <laughs> i love that show but yes i'd be happy if i were sam alone um but so i want to get this restaurant started um so i uh, i think the first thing i need to do is talk to professionals and also start working in a kitchen um not that I want the kitchen to be the focus of my environment I want the bar to be but um the second part of it is that I want to create a hands-on um program where you teach people how to work in the hospitality industry um but they would kind of be interning in a sense uh so that way they take it seriously. It's not, they don't get paid for it. I already thought about that because if they want to learn uh, from the best, which I will make sure to hire the best, then they have to come and they have to intern and maybe even pay in the beginning to like make cocktails and stuff to like learn, to contribute to their, um, their, the tools that they're using. And then hopefully when they get hired out, they're going to have that reputation of already being already have been working and already have um, established knowledge and is and established like how they feel working with guests and things like that versus like these bartending schools when you don't talk to to people you know or you don't know like the pace of a restaurant mm-hmm. that's another thing people think they're a good bartender but they don't understand pace do you worry on the other side of this with the amount of restaurants that have already closed and independent ones obviously mm-hmm. the big chains seem to be sticking around and with that I think comes a vacuum of creativity and um, pursuit of new flavors and kind of knowledge and education. Mm -hmm. Are you worried that people are going to be hesitant to get into this industry following what 2020 and what the start of 2021 has done to it? I don't think so. I, cause this is never going to go away. It's going to change. And I think it's changing for the better right now, as far as like that article that you mentioned. And I did read a little bit of uh, the customers not always right. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Like, my first week in the hospitality industry, I cried because some man yelled at me for putting him in a tiny booth instead of a big booth. And he was yelling at me in front of his wife and she didn't say anything, but like yelling, like I was 19 years old and I go to the office and the, the boss is probably, he was, I think he was under 30 and he, he was like, what is going on? And I'm just bawling. And I was like, I don't know. I did something wrong. And he went out there and he told the guests, he said, if you don't apologize to my employee, then you have to leave. And that was like the last time I saw that for like eight years, because <laughs> a lot of places will throw their employees under the bus yeah. just to make guests happy. And that is not the way it should be, because that is allowing them that that is telling them that what their that their behavior is OK. It enables the behavior completely. Yeah. yeah. And who cares how much money you have or, you know, what your title is, if you behave like an asshole yeah don't be a dick don't be a dick yeah 2021 don't be a dick don't be a dick 
<laughs> I love that. I, I was like, we're coming for you. <laughs> like, you know, voices are going to be heard, man. Heads are going to roll. Don't yeah. be a dick. Yeah. No, I'm, no, I'm not worried about it. I think that we're the people who are passionate about it are going to find a way to make it work. That's awesome. When, what about cocktail development? Getting back to building menus. Like you said, it's a big vodka soda crowd. And again, if you're going out and you want to have a drink, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, whatever it is, mm-hmm. drink what you want. I, I'm, I'm over, again, I'm, I'm picky about my stuff, but I'm over cocktail shaming people, I yeah. think. I think that there's the ways that things should be done and I think things can always be made better. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the pursuit of good flavor, they should be made better. But people are going to drink what they want to drink. Absolutely. When it comes to building out flavors and like you said, understanding flavors, what have you done in this kind of downtime to stay busy and to kind of develop new tastes for things? Because I would argue that even though the hospitality industry has never been in a worse place, liquor and craft spirits got their ass kicked a little bit in 2020 for sure. But before that, I mean, I would argue there's never been a better time to be involved in spirits. I mean, the amount of great product being put out. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you been developing, I mean, are you still kind of like developing drinks on the side or prepping for new stuff for menus when you get that kind of free reign again? How have you stayed busy with the spirits themselves? Um, I've done like little things, like one, one thing when I was trying to like feel out how to like make craft cocktails work in the harbor when people are just focused on drinking their simple drinks or drinks that, that are familiar to them. I did things like um, I did a grapefruit Negroni. So I infused just to put like something that I know that's refreshing in there to like kind of, oh, but what is a Negroni? Oh, well, let me tell you, you know, do like bitter stuff. Um, So with cocktail creation, I feel like I feel like you have to keep it um, fairly simple. Um, You also have to think about what your team can execute and like what your space can execute. Because if you don't have like a big space or a lot of space, you have to keep it simple, maybe doing infusions. Um, so putting something that, you know, like basil, like everyone loves basil for the most part. And so you put that in vodka or something or rum, because those are going to be the more simple, uh, more approachable. That's the word I'm looking for um, to the demographic. A lot of people have that mentality of like, oh, I got really sick on tequila one time. So, you know, I never want to try it again. But what they, uh, well, my question is, is usually like, yeah, but how much tequila did you drink? And what <laughs> did you three eat? three bottles of a bottle of Jose you know? Cuervo is going to take a lot of people down. So. Exactly. Exactly. Also, you know, the quality of the tequila and things like that. But um, with cocktail creation, I think it's it's best. And it keeps, it keeps going back to it is to understand um, that simple drinks are usually the best drinks. You can put like one complicated things in there, like complicated thing, like an oleo, you know, mm-hmm. it's citrus and sugar, very, you know, easy to execute, but also elevates your drink. Yeah. Um, and then, um, well, what's another good one? Um, I mean, because people see things on a menu and I think that there's a hesitation of a, they're spending money and yes. they don't want to get something they don't like, even mm-hmm. though you can always a bartender will make you something else. It's visible that you don't like it. Mm-hmm. That's just hospitality 101. But mm-hmm. two, you are ingesting something that ultimately will affect you mm-hmm. physically. And I think there is a hesitation to that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned tequila. I hear the same argument a lot with rum. Yeah. People are like, ooh, rum is so sugary. It's going to give you a hangover. I'm like, no, that's the <laughs> drink you were drinking and it's terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think people see things on a menu and they're like, what is orgy at? You know, yeah. Orgia, like it's delicious. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's great. Mm-hmm translating that to customers is that something you look forward to getting back to to kind of being like hey no you're really gonna like this you like this last drink you're really gonna like this one like 
buckle in, you're going to have a good time. Oh yeah. I, uh, this is actually the first year where I'm like my little cocktail Rolodex in my head is like not going anywhere. Cause I used to frustrate like my mentor and other people. Cause I would all be like, wait, what are the specs on that? They're like, I just told you, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, so for me now, like, I think maybe it's cause I've had more time to like study and like execute stuff a little bit more thoughtfully versus just slinging them out. But, um, you know, it is fun to, you know, um, for you, for you, for example, I asked you, um, what's your drink of choice? And if you were like, but I want to try something different today, then I'd be able to go through that Rolodex and kind of play around. And then, um, if I know that you're extra experimental, I'll be like, okay, well, what do you think? Or, or I may not even ask you. I may just put it in front of you. And if you don't like it, I, I, I love to ask why don't, you know, what is it? What is it that th funky thing in the middle? Is it like the bitterness? Is it too sour, too mm -hmm. sweet? You know, because it's not really about me. It's about the guest and, and them enjoying their experience. But they, they want, most people want to explore and that's why they're out, you know? Well, since we are still, unfortunately, quote unquote, shut down for people that may even once dry January is done, or maybe they're just not participating because, you know, fuck it, 2021 is already about 2020 diet. It's pretty much going as, about as strong as we could expect. Mm -hmm. um, what would be your tips for people that are still at home making cocktails at home and want to venture out just a little bit more, maybe start experimenting at home just a little bit more? What would be some of your tips for them? I would say um, talk to your friend who's a bartender or feel free to hit me up on Instagram um, and get the right tools, get a shaker, get a strainer, get a fine strainer, just get the right tools. Because if you don't have the right tools, you're going to try to execute a drink and it's, you're going to be like, this doesn't look like yours. And you'll be like, well, cause you just poured it all in a cup. <laughs> you know, you need, you need to, there's a reason why it's shaken. You know, um, their Boston shakers have been around for a very long time, hundreds of years. I'm pretty sure they've found old bar tools. You'll have to look that up. But um, like prehistoric bar tools type of stuff. <laughs> um, but um, get some good tools. Um, there are some really great books out there. If um, there's a, a new one uh, that just came out, The Home Bar Basics. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Or, I'm sorry. About. Um, it's the fourth edition of the book. Yep. But I really like the way they organized this one. Um, and it... Uh, the great thing about the newer books coming out is that they have, um, they pay homage to where the recipes are coming from. And so I think that's really cool because then you kind of like, you follow your history a little bit more and, and you respect the cocktails a little bit more. Um, we should do that. What if you make a badass cocktail and then, you know, your ghost sees it hundreds of years in the future and somebody is just fucking it up, you know, like, like man, Nana knew how to party. Right. <laughs> exactly. I love it. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, there's a couple really good books out there. Um, the flavor Bible, but the vegetarian version is my favorite for actually taking my flavors a step up. Um, so for example, um, in one of my cocktails, the punch card, um, I, it's a rum and passion fruit cocktail, but I wanted to add a little bit more funkiness to it. So I was like, what tastes good with passion fruit? And in this book, all of the fruits and vegetables are listed alphabetically. So it's like such an awesome cheat sheet. You go to the veg, uh, you go to whatever you're looking at. Mm -hmm. So passion fruit. And um, there's just a list of 
things that are known and tested to taste good and complement passion fruit. That's awesome. So I found thyme. I was like, okay, that's intriguing. Rum, and I've had rum infused thyme in the past, so I, I put it all together, and that cocktail has been like one of those that's just like a random hit. Yeah. You know, everybody enjoys it. It's intriguing enough, but but also not overwhelming. So that's one of my favorite tools as well. Um, videos are helpful, but I honestly think that talking to somebody who 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 kind of knows on what you're doing, what you want to execute is the best way to do it. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. That's awesome. That's definitely a book to grab. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ava, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. If people want to find you, if they want to reach out on Instagram, mm-hmm. what's your handle? Where can they do that at? Where can they find you at? Um, they can find me. It's uh, at Ms. Savage, M I Z Z underscore Savage. Very yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. And if they want to find you, well, no, are you guys open right now? Time They're of the take recording? Take out only. Take out only. Yes. Okay. So if you're in the area and you want to support a local business, um, it's, it would be awesome. The food is fantastic. Bacon wrap dates. That's a big hit. Never a bad thing. Yeah. It's a, a, a really fantastic restaurant with a really passionate um, team. And I'm very grateful to be on there. So I'm going to be excited for when we get to reopen again. Awesome. The name of the restaurant again is? Red Table. Red Table. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Miss Savage, thank you so, so much for the time. Thank you, Crawford. Thank you to Ms. Savage herself for taking the time to sit down. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you got something out of it. I definitely did. Um, just feels good to be back. Obviously, New Year, we had the AMA episode to kind of kick things off. Um, there will be, there's a lot more weekly content coming on Patreon, including weekly AMAs. Um, early access, as I said before, you guys get it. Go over to Patreon and check it out. If not, and you want to stick to free feeds, totally good as well. I'm just happy to have you here. There's a lot in store for 2021, but it all starts with great conversations with great people like Ava. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Ava for the time. Remember, leave any feedback that you want. Bestseats.com forward slash you're wrong if we made mistakes on the show. I'm sure we did, and I'm sure you'll let me know. Until next time, stay safe, live well and often, drink responsibly-ish, eat well, hug your family members, wear a mask, people. Let's get over this damn thing and get back to business. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in Aliso Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats. The following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here are the supporters. Alexander Cook. Katie Cassie, Eric Lutz, Serena Warino, Cheryl McCarthy. Thank you for your support.